Hey, this is Adam, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This morning's sermon is about how Jesus is a different kind of king. The word of our Lord in the Gospel of John. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... He distributed to them he distributed to them the bread to those who were seated so also the fish as much as they wanted and when they had eaten their fill he told his disciples gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost so they gathered them up filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten and when the people saw the sign that he had done they said this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. And so per- perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Father, thank you for your word. We pray this morning as we gather to hear from your word that you would minister to us as your people. Jesus, you are the bread of life, the bread from heaven. Please feed us, we pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us. Help us to understand that Jesus is a different kind of king and help us to live as citizens of his kingdom. In his name we pray. Amen. Many of us uh, are all too aware of how needful we are. Life has a very a very curious way of, of making us aware of that. It doesn't matter how, um, how good life is for us. It doesn't matter how much we have, how packed the pantry is or the fridge is. It doesn't matter how loaded up the bank account is. We all are constantly reminded of our need. We have need for sleep. Some of us this morning are tired. It's been a long week. 
And we're, already, and we're thinking, oh my goodness, we've already begun a new week. Despite what your calendar says, the week begins on Sunday. This is the first day, the day of creation, the day of new creation, the Lord's day. A new week has begun. And perhaps we're still trying to catch up from the lack of sleep that we had last week. Every day, we get hungry. If you go long enough without food, you feel like you're starving. Your stomach is constantly growling. Here I go again, talking about food, trying to make your stomachs growl during church. We are constantly reminded in very, very curious ways that we are needy people. No matter how good we have it, no matter how well off we are, we are still needy. Some of us have different needs. Needs that go unfed and unmet. Needs for relationships. Needs for God and a relationship with Him. Emotional needs, psychological needs. We've got a variety of needs. We all have those needs, but some of us find ourselves with deep spiritual needs that are unmet and unsatisfied. We find ourselves wandering like sheep without a shepherd. We find ourselves stranded with no hope, not knowing where we turn. To whom can we turn? Jesus found Himself on a mountain on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And when he lifted up his eyes, John tells us he saw a great crowd coming, multitudes of people. John tells us that it's near the Passover, which means Jews from all throughout the world are descending upon Jerusalem for this great feast of migration where every Jewish family was expected to return to Jerusalem to visit the temple for the Passover and so crowds are amassing. And Jesus sees these crowds. And He sees that they are without food. They are needy. They are wondering. They're looking for Jesus because they've seen what He's been able to do. They've seen how He has miraculously healed the sick and cared for those that had those sorts of physical needs that are typically met by doctors if they're lucky. So Jesus sees this crowd and He turns to one of His disciples, Philip, and He says, where do you think we're going to get the food to feed these people? Jesus is almost like trolling His disciples. He's bringing up a concern that is going to make them probably panic. And you see that they do panic. What are you talking about? We don't have that kind of money. We certainly don't have that kind of food. And then the story gets, it gets pretty laughable when, who is it? Andrew, Peter's brother, says, hey, we've got this little boy here and he's got his box lunch with him. Five little barley loaves and two fish. Now, if you're like me, you grew up thinking that, you know, these were big old French bread loaves, maybe something, something akin to this. Big loaves of bread. 
And the, the thought never came to my mind, and, and big fish maybe. Um, the thought never came to my mind that what's this boy doing like out, out on the side of the mountain wandering around with like bags of groceries? Where's he headed? Where did he get the stuff? No, he's got just a little, a little packed up lunch. Little bitty fish and little rolls of bread. That makes the situation not despondent, but kind of laughably despondent. They've got no food, but they've got this little bit. I guess folks can fight over it. Jesus tells his disciples, have the people sit down. It's a nice grassy place. And so the men begin to sit down and they realize, wow, this is a really, really large crowd. About 5,000 men. We don't know how many of them had their families with them. It's possible that you could have had 20,000 people out on the side of that mountain. May have only been six, 7,000 people. Who knows? But this is a big crowd of people. A big moment of need. A big opportunity for Jesus to do something to meet the needs of these people. And so what Jesus does is He takes that little box lunch that this little boy has. I wonder if the boy was excited about that. Like, hey, Jesus, the Master is using my stuff. Or is he thinking, wait a minute, that was my, my mom packed this for me. That's my lunch. It's almost like a Billy Madison moment. Hey, kid, I'll trade you that snack pack for this banana. I didn't even think about taking my snack pack. So Jesus gathers the, the bag. I'm, they might have wrestled the kid for it. Who knows? But they, they get the bag. I, I don't imagine Jesus is like taking the kid's lunch without his permission, but... I don't think Jesus is stealing. But, so Jesus takes what they have, this little, little bitty bit that they have. And the scriptures tell us, almost, almost echoing the other gospel writers talking about Jesus' last Passover when he instituted the sacrament of Holy Communion. When he had given thanks... He broke it, and he began to distribute it. John tells us that not only is there enough to go around, there's enough for everyone to be fed, for everyone to have as much as they want, to eat till they are full. And then Jesus, because of how extravagantly and how abundantly he has met this need. He tells the disciples, grab some baskets and gather up the bread that's left over because we're not going to let this stuff go to waste. Think about how much of a need there was. 5,000 plus people. How little supplies there were. Five little dinner rolls. Two little sardines and how abundantly Jesus meets that need with that very little that is available. 
the masses of people, the multitudes, the large crowd, they recognize this is incredible. And they conclude about Jesus, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Surely this is Elijah come back. Surely this is the one about whom Malachi and the other prophets said would come. Surely this is him. This is the beginning of God's kingdom. And so what Jesus does, he doesn't say, hey, good conclusion. You're headed in the right direction. Let's work with this. Jesus perceives that they're going to try to make him king, force his kingdom, force his lordship. And so he steals away and goes off alone. He provides abundantly, extravagantly. They see the signs. They see the miracles. They see what His hands are able to do. And they want to channel that power and force His kingdom. But Jesus didn't come just to be king. The world is full of kings. Rome had an emperor. Egypt had a pharaoh. Babylon had a king. The world is filled with kings. Jesus didn't come, though, just to be king. He came to redeem the world. And redemption does not come by power and might. At least not power and might as we think of it. Redemption always comes through sacrifice. And it takes a special type of power and a special type of might to sacrifice. Redemption is bloody business. It's not that Jesus doesn't intend to be king. He does intend to be king. He is king even now. And one day he will be enthroned as king. You can't force him to be king. Because he already is. That's what the multitudes missed. That's what they didn't understand. And it's what we often miss and misunderstand. It's that we can't make Jesus king. He already is. See, the world's kingdoms value things like power and place, things like position and popularity, progress, practicality. But the kingdom of heaven values different things. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus' kingdom, values self-giving love. Yes, freedom, but responsible freedom. 
Freedom that is responsible through self-restraint. The kingdom of heaven values godly virtue and wisdom and holy character. And if Jesus' miracle shows us anything, it surely shows us that His kingdom also values extravagant generosity. We see Jesus' ability... And not just his ability to meet a need, but we see Jesus' extravagance with which he meets a need. How generous he is. Why is Jesus worried about where these folks are going to get their food? Why is that his matter to deal with? Perhaps as rabbi, he's concerned about how his twelve are going to get fed, but why these? Because he is king over all these. And as king, he is a different kind of king. You see, Jesus' concern is not just with himself. He is a king by right, but he insists on being a king by redemption. He is king by virtue of the fact that he created the heavens and the earth. That he created us in his image. That we are the sheep of his pasture. We are his people. But he insists on being king not just by right, but by redemption. By redeeming the world by giving his own life. And redemption doesn't come by simply God waving a magic wand. He comes and he gets his hands dirty. He breaks bread. This king cares more for his people than he does for himself. He's not interested in the celebrity, the prestige, the influence, the name that would come with, let's oust Herod and set up a new king. He's interested in saving the world in redeeming the lost, in rescuing those who are perishing. Even in the multitudes of people who would the very next day leave him. He's concerned for people even like Judas, who were numbered there with the disciples. The very next Day, in this very same chapter, John tells us Jesus already knew that Judas would betray him. And here he uses Judas to instruct the people, have a seat. He uses the hands and the abilities of Judas to distribute the broken bread. He uses the labor of Judas to collect those leftover fragments in a basket. 
presumably so that the poor might be fed. You see, Jesus' kingdom cannot be established through strength and power and might and will. His kingdom is established by Him. And He dictates the terms of His kingship. And what He shows us is that He is not concerned with Himself. He is concerned for the masses of His people who are needy and wandering for those who are stranded without hope, for those who have great need and no way of meeting it, for those who recognize the desperation of their situation, those are the people that Jesus came to save. He establishes a different kind of kingdom because he himself is a different kind of king. And every time we gather around this table together, and every time we break this bread together, and every time we drink from this cup together, we proclaim that he is Lord, and that he is Lord and King, not just because of His right, but because He is our Redeemer. He is the one who gave us His body. He is the one who shed His blood for our sakes. And not for ours only, but as the liturgy reminds us, and we will read in just a few moments, but also for the sake of the whole world. Jesus gave himself the bread from heaven the bread of life so that we and the world might live that's why we gather that's why we gather and that's why we go out the totality of the Christian life is all about that movement, that movement in to be fed and that movement out to feed, that movement in to receive grace and that movement out to distribute grace, to give grace, to receive the grace of Jesus in our lives and to go and be a gracious people and a grace-filled people for the sake of the world. And so there's something, there's something very deep and rich that is happening when we gather together at the table because notice we don't stay here. Bill and I just a few moments ago were trying to figure out some of the logistics of how you get to like a crowd of people with two sides down one aisle without it just being kind of a, 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 a mess up front. And I told him it's Pretty interesting to have a mad rush toward the communion table. But we don't stay here. We come and we receive 
gladly so that we might be filled and go. Because the kingdom of God is about more than just gathering together. It is about that. But it is about gathering together so that we might be filled and go. So that we might go to others who are empty. To others who are needy. To others who are wandering. To others who are stranded. Because just as our king is not concerned with his needs, but is concerned with the needs of his people, so also does he invite us and empower us and enable us to not be concerned with our own needs, but to, like him, mirroring him, in his image, we might be concerned with the needs of others. And there are masses and multitudes and whole crowds of people among whom we live and among whom we work and among whom we play and interact who are just as needy, who are just as hurting, who are just as broken, who are just as empty, who are just as hopeless as we were. And so the king invites us to come, to sit, to make ourselves comfortable, to make ourselves at home, to prepare ourselves for the food that he offers to us so that we might be filled and so that we might not stay on the side of the mountain, but so that we might go, so that we might have the food and the sustenance to go. Jesus, we pray that you would prepare us, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would that you would enable us to sense our need. That you would enable us to sense our emptiness and our brokenness so that we might be filled and healed so that we might receive from you what you offer to us, as you offer to us your brokenness, as you offer to us your self-imposed emptiness, we pray that you would help us to be emptied of ourselves, to be broken of ourselves, so that we might be filled filled and healed with you and by you. And we pray all of this in your holy name. Amen.